We are parents, we are doctors, we are first responders, teachers, and concerned citizens who have found ourselves at a crossroads. We see our freedoms being stripped away and we can no longer stay silent. We are millions strong, united in a thundering voice and imperative mission that cannot and will not be ignored. We are standing up for the basic human right to raise our own children, earn a living, and make our own medical decisions without the tyrannical overreach that has been forced upon us here in California, across the country, and around the world. We are here to amplify the voices, moving the needle, bringing forth truth, and provide education and resources with tangible tools and expert insights. We are The Unity Project, and this is our podcast. What's up, everyone? On today's podcast, we are going to discuss the important role that masculinity plays in human society and how the war on masculinity in the United States is a mechanism being used to strip away parents' rights, leading to the destruction of the nuclear family and weakening our society. I had the distinct honor and privilege to be joined in this discussion by two incredible men that know a thing or two about the importance of masculinity. Matt Boudreaux is the founder of Acton Academy Placer and Acton Academy Sacramento. As a career educator, Matt has delivered TEDx talks, consulted with universities, written books, and created programs that have helped to push education in the 21st century for teens across America. He currently hosts the Essential 11 podcast, which focuses on gaining world-class advice from prominent guests in business, media, sports, and education and entertainment. Matt is also a renowned keynote speaker speaking to over 250,000 people across the globe with clients ranging from Lockheed Martin and the United States Air Force to Caterpillar and Honeywell. He is an accomplished competitive kickboxer and co-founder of Apogee Strong. Apogee Strong is a program founded to create the type of mentorship our founders would have wanted for their own sons. Tim Kennedy is a retired American mixed martial art artist and a current U.S. Army soldier. Tim is a Special Forces Master Sergeant and Sniper, serving as part of the most elite counterterrorism hostage rescue unit within the U.S. Army Green Berets. He is a highly decorated soldier, but most notably been awarded the Bronze Star, a professional MMA fighter from 2001 to 2016, competing in the UFC, Strike Force, WEC, Show MMA, HD Net Fights, and the IFL. Tim is one of the few fighters to simultaneously serve in the United States Army and fight professionally. He was most notably a television host of Hard to Kill, a producer of Send Me, a documentary of the U.S. military pullout from Afghanistan. Tim has also authored the book Scars and Stripes, an unapologetically American story fighting the Taliban, UFC warriors, and myself. Tim has parlayed his career to become one of the most important entrepreneurs of our time by building schools that service the country's best interest. First and foremost, Tim is the CEO of Sheepdog Response, Acton Academy, and Apogee Strong. Aside from Tim's accolades, he is arguably a hero and a national treasure for his unwavering commitment to the men and women of the United States and Afghanistan, recovering over 12,000 men and women and children from harm's way behind enemy lines. Tim is unbelievably charismatic and generous to everyone in and out of his circle. His commitment to his family and community is unparalleled, and he surrounds himself with only the most motivated and talented individuals in their crafts. I truly hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. These gentlemen are really national heroes. Um, so excited to be here with Tim Kennedy and Matt Boudreaux, um, two of the most unbelievable people that I have had the privilege of meeting. Um, I'm literally sitting in front of 
a real life hero. And I don't say that lightly. Uh, I know that sometimes people say uh, movie stars and, and, and rock stars, these are the heroes of society. And I think that that is completely off course and off track. But you, sir, are a true American patriot and a true American hero. So first and foremost, thank you for everything You're that here. you are. Thank you for everything that you've done. And Matt, thank you for everything that you mm. are and everything that you've done. So the, the reason that I'm excited to talk to you guys today is because um, a lot of what's happening in this country is, in my opinion starting from the breakdown of the nuclear family. Amen. And I think how we get to the breakdown of the nuclear family really stems from tearing down masculinity. Uh, so I know you guys have an organization that you're starting called Apogee, correct? And I know this is an organization that's really focused on bringing back masculinity, mentoring men, mentoring fathers, correct? Yep. So I would like to just, I think let's start out by saying, Tim, what are your thoughts on um, the state of the country today mm -hmm. in terms of masculinity and how it's viewed this, you know, I know that the, the mantra has become toxic masculinity. Um, so, so what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think first defining masculinity, um, it, it has been dangerously misrepresented. And, um, it, when you know, we're in an era, we, we can make up words and we can redefine genders and, um, you know, it, words have meaning and words are powerful. And when, when you take the meaning, like with the word masculine and you, you change it where it's this dangerous thing that is, that is that uncontained, um, does all this, you know, it's this toxic masculinity and it's just the furthest thing from the truth, truthful, beautiful masculinity, masculinity in its raw form. No, no other beautiful, strong, nothing in front of it. Just masculinity is a powerful force for good. It is, it is a thing that is interwoven in our DNA mm -hmm. to be protectors, to be providers. And so first defining it to being something that is righteous and that is, that shows grace. And, um, you know, Peterson said something very accurate that I believe that, um, you know, somebody that is incapable of, of doing harm mm -hmm. because he doesn't do harm. It's not, doesn't mean that he's a good person. Right. He's just incapable of doing something. Right. A good person is somebody that has great power that can do absolutely anything, can do violence. That is brilliant. That has the capacity mm -hmm. and volume to do lots of work, but chooses to do the right thing. Right. That is a good person. Mm -hmm. And that is what we're trying to do is make, I love how you say it mm -hmm. so often, good men raise good men. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to one, shape what good men look like. Right. And then two, we're trying to really attack in, in, in a pretty direct way. Right. What, what do young men look like? And what is, what does it look like to grow into a good man? Mm. What does it look like to grow into a good man? Well, and that's so Matt. I love what he's starting with that definition. Mm -hmm. Right. And I love that he's talking about what Jordan said, because it's this, this virtuous thing to have those abilities and those capabilities, but you control it. Mm -hmm. Right. Because like he said, otherwise you're just harmless. Right. And that's not, that doesn't have any correlation to being a good human being, right? The virtue comes in with having those capabilities. Right. So we'll have people that jump on board with that. Mm -hmm. But then the problem is we don't know what those capabilities are. And so right. that's the question that you're asking right yes. there, right? So yes. what does that mean? And so again, we can go back to the word itself and to the, the, the classic definition of masculinity, the ability to provide and protect and preside, yeah. right? It's an honorable thing. It's character driven. It's virtue driven. It's service leadership. It's all of those things. Mm -hmm. And so what we're doing is we're saying, okay, well, a lot of guys weren't taught how to do that mm -hmm. by their fathers. They're surely not taught in the school system. So we are providing that roadmap then in the experiences to go, okay, 
here's step one, here's step two. Here's the tactical way okay. to, to go forward and learn these skills. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. You know, I was at, uh, my husband and I were actually at a dinner event last week. And as we were going out of the, the building that we were in, there was a woman that was trying to come in. She was an elderly woman. She had her husband in a wheelchair and there was a teenage boy that was standing off the side watching didn't at all offer to hold the door, didn't want to intervene and help in any way. And all I could think was, this is almost a tangible representation of what's wrong with society yeah. yep. today, right? Can you imagine in the 1950s, a teenage boy, 1940s, a teenage boy standing idly by while an elderly woman is struggling to open a door? Right. That would no. never happen. Wouldn't have happened. And it's anecdotal, but that is an accurate representation. You can now, if, if you look, if you bring your head up out of your phone, stop swiping for a second yeah. and just look about what's going around, wrong around us, you, you see that over and over and over again in lots of dis different situations, whether it's opening a door or holding a chair, you know, like th those are great characteristics for us to see. But even the volume of work, like what does it look, the lowest attendance and the lowest participation in athletes in high schools mm -hmm. in recorded American history? Like it's because that beautiful masculine thing of playing right. football or wrestling or playing right. soccer, like fewer ever are mm -hmm. participating in the sports. Obesity on the highest it has ever been. Right. And everywhere that you now are going to look, you're going to see this systemic disease that is breaking young men. Mm -hmm. And uh, like, we, we yeah. can still fix it. I, I heard I heard this Lord. crazy, very scary statistic about, I think it was about six months ago, that um, women between the ages of 18 and 25 were surveyed. And they believe that um, a man that offers to buy them a drink at a bar, they believe they've been sexually harassed in some way. I mean, no. this is this is getting insane. So, so for, from my perspective, what's happening is it's actually causing a greater divide in the country. Um, men are, in my opinion, if I were a man, I wouldn't want to work with a woman based on what's happening right now in the culture. So it's causing this incredible divide and it's weakening our society. Uh, I, I firmly believe that a society without strong men cannot exist. And I mean, I think we can go back and talk about like historical times and go all the way back to the Romans and the Vikings. And um, if you do not have a strong masculine um, influence in society, that society will fall. Correct? Yeah. Mm. The, the center of the gravity is in the, the way that our beautiful constitution and our declaration of independence w was able to function in the time was because the individual, the family unit yeah. was the strongest thing in the whole entire society. Right. And when you look for individual responsibility, when you divide groups of this population and you, um, through partisan politics or identity politics or whatever form of division, um, race, mm -hmm. religion, um, you know, gender, right. I mean, every single one of those things further separates us from the truth that is the citizen, as Roosevelt defined mm -hmm. it, was the strong, powerful, unbreakable group. And the citizen included the family. That's right. And, um, and that has been attacked relentlessly for the past 40 years. And there's nothing more beautiful than a full, healthy, happy family. That's right. I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree. That's I right. think the family unit is absolutely the most important in human existence. That's right. uh, and I know Matt, you and I had done a podcast and I believe that a, a lot of what's happening is obviously in the education system. Mm -hmm. It's, it's designed to 
break down the nuclear family through tearing down the parent-child relationship. And now, you, you know, you go to school and, and, and children are told that they, you know, little Timmy can be Tina if little Timmy wants to be Tina. And, oh, by the way, hide that information from the parents. And, you know, in a previous podcast, I was talking about how incredibly evil that is. If you mm. think about when I was a child, one of the first things that you learn is that you always tell your parents everything, right? Everything. Never keep mm -hmm. never keep a secret. Now you have another adult in a position of authority that's now coming in and telling kids, not only keep a secret from your parents, but but will help you keep that secret, mm -hmm. right? right. <clears throat> and that's intentional. Sure. Right? So we're talking about the family, talking about that nuclear unit. We're talking about, you know, he said the word responsibility. So there is nothing more beautiful than a family that is taking responsibility top down, right? Mom and dad take responsibility for their lives. And then they impart that responsibility on those young kids early. Mm -hmm. We forgot that used to be how it was. Right. Young people took on massive amounts of responsibility. I tell people all the time, teenager wasn't even a word until 1944. Mm -hmm. So what's happened? Has our DNA shifted yeah. that fast? The DNA hasn't changed. Yeah. The bar has been continuously lowered for what it means to be a productive human being. Mm -hmm. And that's for adults and it's for young kids, right? Yeah. So we're lowering the bar and then being surprised when that's, that's where we you know, end up. We've right? absolutely exactly lowered the bar. <laughs> I was... Uh, I was with a, a young lady the other day who was going out on like her first real adventure. Um, she's 17 years old. She gets to take her friends. They're going to drive out to the desert. They're going to have a camping trip. And so we said, okay, how, you know, how are you going to get there? And the, the crazy thing was she's driving like this. She's driving with one hand and she's, and we said, what are you doing? And she said, oh, I'm, I'm looking at my directions. And I remember... When I was 16, this is going to show you how old I am. When I was 16, I had a Thomas guide. So before I left, Same. I had to sit there and route out exactly where I was going and had to have some situational awareness and general understanding of, yep. of, of navigation and, and where I am. I had right. to present to my parents written from the Thomas guide, like the turns. I'm going to, I'm going to drive 3.4 <laughs> miles mm -hmm. and then I'll turn left mm -hmm. on Edison right. Road. And then I'm going to drive on Edison Road for three miles mm -hmm. before I turn right. You know, it's like... Yeah forced i had to present that to my parents yes. you know like but this is before tom tom's like you know if you right. if you don't know it, it was a book that had lots of different maps in it yep. and they had blow-ups of maps you had these large ones and then you'd, you'd turn to square g1 and you'd you'd go to g1 to find the closer version of the map so you right. could see the street names and you had so, a little square then you, no. but you think about what that is that is a microcosm of how we give up our sovereignty in so many areas yes right so totally. school and you're talking about the the agendas that are coming in but also mm -hmm. in that you know traditional kind of a conveyor belt program and more and more it's becoming about obedience yes. it's about as much obedience as possible and who's this uh, this authority right here who usurps mom and dad mm -hmm. right i'm going to be obedient at every single whim right. and then when i leave there i'm going to be obedient to whatever i'm seeing here on the right. screen right so it's usurping any kind of sovereignty we have mm -hmm. because we have to think for ourselves because we have to provide for ourselves because we have to you know earn opportunities ourselves because we have to win a freaking game because we actually have to go have a conversation go talk to a girl and potentially yeah. get rejected versus right. well, and Instead just of doing swipe to the next, right? You exactly. Know, all that. So it's it's a multifaceted issue, but it all comes back to we're giving away our sovereignty at we, every freaking turn. I feel like we have we have gotten to a point where we've dumbed down society so much that we have we now have a generation that's gonna graduate from high school. And I say that that very loosely when I say <laughs> graduate from high school, that a large portion won't be able to read or write in, in any um, useful way. competent, mm -hmm. useful way. 
Um, they have no ability to drive from point A to point B without having something that's actually talking to them. Because even reading the directions, I think sometimes they can't do on their phone. They has to, something has to talk to them. Uh, they they have no, God forbid that they get a flat tire and need to change the oil in their car. And the, so we have this society of human beings that are the most ill-prepared to deal with life. And yet we have, we also have never had a, a higher standard of living in society. And, I, and I've said this in many podcasts, but you know, you look at um, how we live today versus people even 40 years ago, but I'll take it back further and say, you know, you have the queen of the queen of England in the 1800s would have not had as high of a standard of living as the poorest person probably here in the United States. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden you have all these creature comforts, everyone's comfortable, they're complacent, nobody wants to get out of their comfort zone and add to it, you have a society of people that are totally ill-prepared to, to deal with anything other than getting a latte. Yeah. The, you know, prepared sovereignty responsibility you know th these are interwoven ideas that can't exist they're mutually exclusive you know we, we i love the word sovereignty over freedom sovereignty is like nobody can influence me or mine in any way because of my sovereignty i'm not freedom is is, is kind of afforded sure. to me sovereignty is like i am in i am strong enough by myself to be able to do this mm. and freedom by the way is also something my dad and i have this debate that that is can be interpreted in different ways. Like yeah. your freedom to you may mean something than, than my freedom to me, right? So yeah. that's why I, I like that. Sovereignty. So with sovereignty, back to parents, we've given up because we have lacked the responsibility. And I think there's been a revolution in the past two, three years mm -hmm. where parents are knocking on on school councils doors. You know, they're showing up mm -hmm. to parent teacher conferences. They're going to elections and actually voting yeah. um, their belief system into the school because the school, when you are complacent, when you are not responsible, mm -hmm. then the school is going to do what the school is going to do, right. which is control your children. Mm -hmm. And it is not their job. It is no one else's job besides the parent's job for every single aspect of their children's lives, right. what they eat, how they think, what they believe that is the parents and the okay. family's responsibility. Right. And anytime any other entity external comes in, they are not in alignment with your value system. That's right. It's with theirs mm -hmm. and you have no control of what that is. Mm -hmm. And that is, that is this generation's fault by allowing that to happen. Mm -hmm. And the only way that you can take that back is to literally go and take it back. Mm -hmm. You have to physically be present at those school board meetings. Right. You have to be there for the school council meetings. You have to be there for the PTA meetings mm -hmm. and you have to write that ship or the school will continue to do whatever the yeah. school wants to do. And you will have no and, say in it. And they're mm -hmm. so far downstream and entrenched in this um, ideology that that you, they own our children. They know what's best for they children. They believe it. Mm -hmm. That it's it's going to be, I mean, people, you're going to have to fight to take this back. And I don't mean, I'm not encouraging people to go out and have a revolution. I'm saying- no, This is an intellectual to, fight. Right, correct. Exactly what you said. You have to be present. And a lot of people don't realize how far downstream we are. Um, you know, in California, I'll give you an example. In California- after the age of 12, parents are actually not allowed to access their children's medical records. Do mm -hmm. you guys know this? Yep. No. So, so uh, and I learned this when my daughter was 12 and I called because they wanted to get some medical records so that she could be on the volleyball team. And uh, when I called, they said that they, would, I, they were gonna have to get permission from her. And I said, I'm, 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 I'm sorry. sorry. I'm sorry, what did you say? I'm confused. confused. What, yeah, what, what do you mean by this? And so they actually gave me the law and it's so asinine. The other day, 
my daughter needed to get an, um, an x-ray. And so the doctor's office called to give me the results and they said, you need to put her on the phone. And I said, I absolutely will not. She's my daughter. She's still under the age of 18 and she, you will be giving me the results. So we kind of went back and forth and back and forth. Ultimately it didn't end, end well and I'm still in pursuit of getting that. But the point being, I said, in California, in order for my daughter to get her ears pierced, she has to get my permission. I have to go show my ID. I have to sign a document in order for her to get her ears pierced. But in California, in order for your child to get a medical procedure that could be life altering, mm. irreparable, or potentially life ending, depending on the type of procedure, they can do it themselves mm -hmm. without parent knowledge or request yep. or consent, excuse me. It's insane. It's this is absolutely insane. We've, so there shouldn't be any moral, rational person on the planet that's going to look at that and be like, mm -hmm. That makes sense. That's a right. great idea. Right. This, like, at, you know, for young men, at what point does the frontal lobe actually develop where they can start making real cognitive intellectual decisions? Right. You know, we're in their mid-20s. 25. Yeah. Right. And, but we're going to take a 15-year-old mm -hmm. and be like, do you want, we can mutilate this body. Um, I'm not going to share any of this medical data with your parents. And this is, that's just medical. Like that is an anecdotal example. If you went into the, what the school system can do, oh, yeah. what they can show your children without your permission, mm -hmm. the things that they can talk about to your children. Mm -hmm. And this is all because parents have given up the responsibility. Mm -hmm. yeah. What was once their sovereignty, mm -hmm. they have inch by inch given up every single one of those control mechanisms by allowing the family unit to be controlled right. by outside external mm -hmm. entities and shame on us and and we've gotten to to a point and, and and matt i know you you're very versed in the education system so i'd love to get your feedback on this because i feel like we've gotten to the point where we have guilted parents into believing that if they don't go along with this they're in some way bad people and i'll give you an example i had um we had some some information sent home um, with our son when he was in high school, and it was a bunch of political satire cartoons. And one of them was um, the Statue of Liberty was the Scarlet, the woman from the Scarlet Letter, and she was cradling her AR-15. And um, and then another one was a teacher that had was pointing an AR-15 at the class, saying, "If you don't do your homework, I'm going to shoot you." And so you can imagine, I was very deeply concerned about this exercise. So I went down to the school and I said, I'd like to understand the pedagogical value in an exercise like this. And they, you know, they quietly said, well, um, it's a debate. It's a debate. And I said, well, okay, then I'd like to understand, are you, are you discussing what the NRA is and the mm -hmm. value of organizations like the NRA? Are you discussing other, other aspects of this? And they said, well, no, it's a silent debate. And I said, well, Hate to point out the oxymoron in that, that, that if you're debating silently, you're probably either, you know, um, dealing with some type of mental illness if you're having a conversation in your own mind. Now, Grubles love that. Right. You know, mm -hmm. um, the, the Nazi propaganda minister right. is like, yeah, silent debates. Right. Silent debates. Here's what propaganda looks like. I want you guys to look at this right. and every single mechanism that I can give it and deliver it to you. And, and then I'm just going to shape the way that you view exactly. it. Exactly. We're not going to frame it anyway. So, so no. then we, it escalated up to the superintendent. And they started the meeting out by saying, and, I, and I'm not kidding you, I just want to say this is a no place for hate. And so I said, well, I'd like to understand that statement. Is there some type of impetus for that statement? Did something happen? Was there a school shooting? Was there something happening that, that I need to know as a parent that you need to inform me of? And they said, no, 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 no. It's, I, we just want you to know it's no place for hate. And I said, well, that's a silly statement. That's like me saying I want the sunrise tomorrow. Um, of course I want up to my children to be in a place that's not hateful. Yeah. Well, why would you say something like that? Mm -hmm. So um, the reason I'm asking though is because obviously that was their attempt to guilt me in some way into feeling as though I'm not um, complying with, with the narrative that's yeah. going on. Like mm -hmm. what's wrong with me? Well, right? good. Don't comply. Right. 
Well, like, that's the whole thing is mm-hmm. what you're not part of our religion. Mm-hmm. So here's how our religion operates. Right. So that's, I always use that example when I'm talking about schools because it is, it's a religious right. belief for all this. So you've got good people who are within this and that's the, that's actually the bigger problem than the fact that your, your school boards are completely controlled by, you know, it's a Marxist controlled kind of deal, period, end of story. Mm -hmm. And people don't like to hear that, but that's the reality of it. Now it doesn't mean all the good, all the teachers and administrators believe all of that, but so many of them are compliant because, and this is something where they feel comfortable, whether it's because I was in, you know, the public school system or because I built schools or whatever that looks like. But these are messages I get daily. These are emails, these are DMs, these are whatever that I get daily from teachers and administrators across the country who are good people who are like, I hate this shit. But if I don't say the right thing, if I don't toe the party line, I got to go, I got eight years left, man. I just got to write it out, right? There's so many people doing that and they're too afraid to go against the religion because what happens when you go against the religion? You're standing up for what's right. You're going against this cultish thing. But what happens is all my relationships over here, over here, over here, that all comes back to bite me in a different way. And people don't want to, they don't want to face that. I believe that if you are complying, that you are complicit. 100%. And we have been complicit for far, so for so far long yes, that, sir. that we, it's almost far gone. Mm-hmm. So so that's a really good point. And I, and I would, I don't know, I would ask you guys, how do you fix that? Because We're fixing it. Like be, this literally, we are... You have to do something. Right. So like, how have you seen his schools? You know, like, they're amazing. They're brilliant. We did a and, whole podcast on it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, if, and just kind of side note, if, if anyone who's listening to this hasn't seen that podcast, go back and listen to it because it was amazing. And, and education is a piece of the pie, but mm-hmm. not the only part of That's the right. pie. Back yeah. to the family unit mm-hmm. and the masculinity. The reason that Apogee and, and, mm-hmm. and my physical school, Apogee um, Cedar Park and mm-hmm. Apogee Strong, why these programs yeah. are, you don't have to do, I said, you don't have to comply. If you don't, if you comply, then you're complicit. Yeah. So if you're not complying, that means that you're doing something yeah. and you can do anything. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that might be starting a school. That might be putting your kids into Appy G strong. That might be going and being at the next student board mm-hmm. meeting. That might right. be the next school council right. meeting. That might be right. like, whatever that is. Right. It's taking action. So you have to go. That's it. Best so time to go is we, now. How do we deal with the people that are getting um, their jobs threatened? And, and the reason that I ask that is, I am just notoriously someone, I don't care what it is, I will not comply with just about anything. Yeah. I mean, literally I, I'm I banned from from airlines. I am um, from certain airlines that shall remain nameless. Maybe I should just call them out, United Airlines. Um, so I am, I am banned from airlines. I am notoriously, I don't care if I um, can't go into a medical facility without a mask, I will find another medical facility. I, I will not go along with, at any cost, will not go along yeah. with something that is that is unjust, that is being uh, forced on us. But then in the process of doing that, you know, I speak to a lot of people and they say, well, look, I don't agree with it, but what can I do? It's my job. And at one point I remember saying, well, what you can do is you can be an American citizen. You can, you can, you can kind of dig down deep and understand what this country was built on and, and, and why we're here and the sacrifices that have been made. But you're right. But if those habits habits, uh-huh. not just the, not just the knowledge of that. Cause right. plenty of people have the knowledge of how we got, it's the habits, the ingrained habits of making hard decisions, the ingrained habits of being resilient. Right. If those habits have not been put in place to whereas it's just as much as I brush, you know, I get up and I brush my teeth in the morning, right. right? Well, I also do hard physical things and I also take personal responsibility and I also don't answer to the government. I also don't answer. That's just, that's a habit now. And 
because it's a habit. And again, going back to that family unit, because that's a habit for me. It's also a habit for my wife. And because it's a habit for me and it's a habit for my wife, that's also a habit for my kids. You know what you're seeing? Discipline is the thing that the habits, how do you form good habits? Discipline. And that's what Apathy Strong is. We're forcing habits. That's right. And discipline is the thing. And I don't think you're just the way that you are just because. Right, you're you have had a lot of screw loose. No, no. <laughs> Let, let's go back to yeah. OCS, yeah, and into undergraduate, yeah, and in like every single one of those those bricks that was laid into what is now your psyche and the way that you respond mm-hmm. to those things as a marine, yeah, like th- those are strong cornerstone mm-hmm. bricks, yeah, where like fuck off, mm-hmm. yeah, and I can I say don't that care. because I don't care, yeah, I'm not going to comply. I will, right. yeah, those are habits of discipline, right, right. Part of what I want to make a point too is you're part of what you're talking about is conflict and saying yeah. people are afraid of conflict. Part of the reason they're afraid of conflict is because they're not pursuing the solution. Yeah. And that's one thing I notice is that people that tend to pursue what the solution is, right? They're not just complaining, they're taking action, like we were talking mm-hmm. about earlier. They're taking action to actually do something. Yeah. Then the conflict just becomes it becomes this byproduct, but they have this North Star mm-hmm. of what I'm going after for the solution, right? And then the conflict at that point is not that big of a deal because they've got a direction. You have so many people that are just focused on the conflict. Yeah. And so then all their emotion is wrapped up in that. And that's where you get all these little trolleys and you know, I mean that's right. because that's all they've got. That is their solution, right? Which sure. doesn't do shit. You get, you're actually creating some sort of solution here. The conflict's not a big deal. How do, how do you get them to understand what the solution is? So okay. it's solution oriented. Um, yeah. Does that sound like purpose driven? Right. Yeah. And purpose driven yeah. is interwoven into what a man is supposed to be doing. Yes. And you, if you are a purpose driven person where there's discipline and regiment that exists, th- there's nothing, there's no metric that you can ever measure besides if somebody's doing work consistently over time will equal success. Mm-hmm. For you to be consistently doing work, you have to have discipline and regiment. If you're purpose driven, mm-hmm to be doing that hard work with yeah. the discipline over time, you mm-hmm. will have success. Mm-hmm. And what we see right now, the systemic disease of complacency and entitlement, mm-hmm. those are things that are abstract and removed right. from consistency and hard work and discipline and regimen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like, again, back to this apogee strong, like the, the how do we address it? How do we yeah. fix it? Well, we have to first fix the way that people view their existence. Mm-hmm. And their existence right now is they think it's this abstract thing, right? Like I can be whatever I think I am, you know, like identify to whatever I want to be. Right. And it's a lie. It's, it's just not truthful. You are beautifully designed and you are built the way that you are. And there's a spectrum, right? You have girls that are tomboys and they're yeah, strong sure. and, they, and they can be and do sure. whatever they want. But on the man's side, you have men that are not as like, no, they're not going to go to wrestling practice or mm-hmm. have that sick beard, mm-hmm. right? Or look yeah. good, good in a hat or be riding <laughs> motorcycles around. And that's totally yeah. fine on the spectrum. They can do anything beautiful, you know, um, what is that? 1960s ballet dancer that he would like jump and it looked like he yeah. just flew yeah. for forever. Um, Mikhail Brishnikov. That's him, right? His legs were like this. He's a ballet dancer. And I argue he's like one of the baddest dudes on the planet. (laughs) So on the spectrum, like we're not going to label anything, but he was purpose driven. And he had, he was focused with hard work and Mm -hmm. discipline. And over time, consistently became one of the best dancers ever to walk the face of the planet. So like, what is your purpose? What does this discipline with this purpose look like? Right. Mm. That is what masculinity is. That's and it, it is so badass mm. when they go after it. God, and that's that's the, how you fix it. And that's, dude, and that's the, and I'm sorry, I, I, I get this. That's the roadmap, right? So we have so many people that come and they're like, hey, yeah, I like, I like what you guys are talking about. God, this is 12, 12 months though. I can't get my kid to commit to something for 12 months, yeah. right? 12 months. And that's, well, then 
It's not going to, that's not going to happen. Then right. when you shorten the court, no, we're not going to shorten it yeah. because what happens is for 12 months, we're going to give them every single month. They're going to have a different mission. They're going to have multiple missions that they're tackling, right? They're going to have missions that are related to the things they're reading. They have missions related to projects and challenges they're taking on. Mm-hmm. And, and some of those missions, they may genuinely go, okay, I didn't really love that one. And that's fine. That's a good self-awareness, but you were going after but it's something. Good to do things that you that's don't right. Like. And you were disciplining yourself on your time. You're having to manage, okay, when am I going to fit in this project, this challenge, this reading, these workouts, these mentor calls, mm-hmm. and they're hearing from the best and the best in the world who are by the way, saying, here's how I got through things. It was the mission over time. It was being purpose-driven, right? So we're, we're getting that in their head over and over and over again, but they're having to take action. And then month two, that mission changes. You're still having to control your time, but now you've got a new project. You got a new challenge. And what we tell these guys is you follow the roadmap for 12 months. And it's not because we're saying this is the perfect roadmap. It's the end all be all. We're saying by the end of those 12 months, you'll have a better idea of how to build your own roadmap. But they'll develop habits. Yes. In that 12 month period, yep. regardless of what the mission is, regardless of what that month's purpose is, yeah. they have to utilize good habits yeah. in time management, in mm-hmm. discipline, in their workout, and sometimes their journaling of their diet, mm-hmm. their journaling of their workouts. Every single one of those things creates a habit that's going to carry over into everything that they do. You know, like if you look at our timeline, his and my timeline mm-hmm. for the days that he's here, like I only have him for two and a half days. Cool. We are scheduling out, yeah. you know, my day starting at 630 and we're going right. to finish tonight at like 730 in yeah. hour by hour. Like those are the same expectations yep. that we have from the young men that are in Apogee Strong because it's, like this is what success looks like. So tell me the structure of this. I'm fascinated by it. Are, is this um, something that's online? Is it something that is where you bring communities together? Yes. And yes. <laughs> okay. Yep. Yeah. All of the above. Tell, so tell me about it. So 30,000 foot overviews, you've got young men, we have young men in multiple countries. Yeah. Um, so obviously in, in almost every state, but we're in, I think we have young men from like 12 or 13 countries right now, okay. which is pretty rad. So they are coming together virtually. Everything is sent to them virtually. So okay. they hit, they get their first, you know, once they sign up, they log in, they get the Apogee code that they've got to, that they've got to sign and agree to. And by the way, if they don't sign that and agree to that and send that over the Apogee code, which is like a Bushido code of, you know, sure. a, a code of conduct, code That's of right. honor, code of character. If they don't sign that, then they, then they don't go forward. Okay. So they sign that saying they're ready to go. They start plotting out their time morning. They, you know, uh, from the time they wake up to the time they go to bed and then they dive into month one and month one has a very specific project, a very specific challenge that'll be taken into perpetuity uh-huh. has a very specific reading. And then they get to jump in, uh, with the community. Now the community is meeting daily through, we have a private platform where we meet daily. So I post and, videos. And how old are these guys? So young men, we got young men as young as 11. Um, they're, I mean, some, some stud 11 year olds and we have, so the ones that are the most active, it goes up through about 18 or 19. Okay. I also know for a fact, because I had a, I had a gentleman, I mean, I had a gentleman stop me uh, in a store parking lot one time. And he goes, he goes, Hey, I just want to tell you, thanks. I'm like, cool, man. For what? Who are you? (laughs) He goes, well, he goes, I'm a, I'm a, uh, a grass Valley, uh, police officer. And, uh, I grew up without a dad and you know, I'm 28, but I'm going through your program right now. I just don't jump on the calls because that feels weird to me, but Uh going through those projects and those challenges, it's changing a lot for me too. Right. So these guys, so, but predominantly 11 through 18. Mm-hmm. So together on this private platform, daily, daily videos, daily articles, where I started posting some things, but now these guys are posting things, you know, Malachi just crushed his jujitsu tournament. So he's posting about it. Um, you know, these guys are putting in their stuff and building community. Right. And then we're meeting every week okay. with mentors. So, you know, Tim comes on Navy, you know, guys, Navy SEALs are coming on. We've got actors coming on. We've got professional athletes coming on. We've got billionaire CEOs coming on. The through line is these are good men who are 
more action oriented men. Okay. Then they're coming on and pouring into the young men. Now we've got enough young men now regionally where they're getting together or they're flying. We'll get on a Friday call and I'll be like, you, you two guys are together. Well, you live in California, you live in Wisconsin. They're like, yeah, well, I just had to come out and spend a week with them, right? Because they're developing these wow, bonds, which is amazing. great. And then uh, we'll get together for an annual event as well. And these guys are like freaking brothers. What about, go ahead. Even though, you know, we talk about the individual family unit and the masculine individual and individual responsibility, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, isolation brain breeds mm-hmm. the Unabomber, mm-hmm. you know, like that's, that's not what this is. Like we, yeah. we are creating community and, and you cannot, you know, you cannot go this alone. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the collective, the aggregate, this, mm-hmm. this accumulation of good men trying to do good things together, yeah. you know, like back to mm-hmm. you feeling isolated and I won't comply. And it, you know, like, I feel like I'm, I'm alone. Um, that's by design. Of course it so is. How do you combat that? You create communities yeah. and there was, there were huge communities that were running towards each other. Um, but they were being intention, intentionally separated and, this is another way mm-hmm. for people to connect yep. where our value sure. systems align, hard work aligns, consistency, all right. those things. Uh, that's an insurmountable force mm-hmm. when they work together. You can't of stop. Of course. It. And that's, and to your point, that is 100% by design. I, I read a statistic that going into the pandemic, I think something like 60% of people reported being extremely lonely and that was going into the pandemic. And then all of a sudden you lock them down. And, and this is something you, you might appreciate with the military background, but I always say that what we did to kids in terms of taking them out of school, locking them down, socially isolating them, that's similar to what we did in, in, in was done to us, I should say, in Vietnam, right? The POWs. So we essentially did to our children, to our developing adolescents in particular, what was done in POW camps. Yeah. Um, and, I, I hate when them. we use we too easily. Um, I, I like to call it by name. Okay. You know, these were public school administrations. Right. These mm-hmm. were government school agencies mm-hmm. that were separating and isolating our children, mm-hmm. rise in obesity, rise in depression, rise in mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was all because of isolation. This was, Hey, you know, you can do this remotely. You can't, yeah. you know, you have to have community. Mm-hmm. So like um, on the other slide side of the, we, my school never closed. That's right. You know, um, our program continued right. on. That's our right. cro- our program yeah. Yeah. exploded. We add, I added another physical campus. Yeah. Did you? Yep. That's so, uh, that's incredible. Do I'm not so, comply. Yep. You just yep. have to do. Yep. And and again, action oriented. We know what the response is going to be. Right. right. So we had, I had the response ready, yeah. for when the uh, the count the the. Sp- County health department person or whatever. I looked up, I was like, okay, who's, who's Newsom's little person in this area? Who's going to come pay me a visit? So I looked her up and figured out who she was. I wrote her a beautiful letter that was not demeaning by any stretch. Right. But it was essentially, um, thank you for coming. I love that you and I have this in common. Thank you for being, you know, an advocate for young people. Here's why we're not closing by the way, F off, don't come back. Good. You know, and it was very kind, but it was very well written the day she showed up at our campus. I'm like, Oh, I'm so glad you are here. By the way, we got mutual friends and you know, and I prepared this for you. Right. Thank you for coming. How did it go? We'll see you later. She took it. She said, all right, I'm gonna and take a look at this and we'll come back. Long. She never came back. That's hard work. She never yeah. came back. There's a lot of groundwork mm-hmm. that, that garnered yep. success wow. when we, in the formation of my physical campus here, mm-hmm. you know, we, how were we organized the building that we were in the location that we were in, yep. you know, like, um, not to get into like the, the legal, but like, we talked a lot, like, how am I setting up this entity so that am, am I a, um, critical business that Mm -hmm. can't be closed? Um, am I a religious organization that you have no, you have no way to come in and look at the curriculum that we're teaching, even though we're not, you know, like, I I don't, you can, you can have the, 
the Bible on there and you can have the book of the dead, you know, mm-hmm. and you can, like, I don't care, mm-hmm. but you can't come in here and mm-hmm. have any, right. we have sovereignty. That's right. So the, the most important person there is the learner and their family Bingo. and their unit. Yeah. And it's, it's something we talked about this, about mm-hmm. the homeschooling environment and the, and that flag of, of, of homeschool and how incredibly important that is mm-hmm. because it's kind of the last stand. Um, and do you remember like in our age? Oh yeah. So I was homeschooled. And, uh, you know, my, myself, my brother and my sister, you know, we graduated from high school, like 14, 15 years old. We were finished with our undergrad at yeah. 18, 19, 20. Mm-hmm. And my mom was, I mean, a, perceived to be like this radical yeah. extremist, sure. you know, in California yeah. Oh, yeah. in the eighties. Yeah. And now this, this resurgence of homeschooling, like we just left yeah. grappling those three boys that were, yeah. that were doing yep. their, their private class. Yep. They're homeschoolers. Yeah, There's two boys actually no yeah. showed. They're going to get text from here in a second. They're supposed to be <laughs> <a rest. laughs> yep, yeah. two yeah, yeah. boys, um, a 15 year old and a 13 year old. Both are asking about Abby strong. Well, they're not eligible because they no showed me and they like, that's Uh-oh. it. Yeah. But, I mean, Uh-oh. all homeschool Standard. boys that are yeah. just fierce. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. And, yeah. And it brings back the community. It gets back to the nuclear family. It's mm. why, but it's why there's this government push, this teacher union push, to go against homeschool. And I personally believe that the teachers, the president of the teachers union, is probably one of the single most um, corrupt individuals. And that that individual is single-handedly responsible for keeping schools locked down and keeping the country locked down. I think for almost two years. I. Uh... I, I can't recall it all from my mind, but I, I saw this chronological timeline on Twitter that was from the the school union mm-hmm. and where it had the CDC's guidelines in comparison yeah. and the CDC was insane yeah. to, to, to go off of as your metric of baseline. But the baseline was what the CDC was saying and then what mm-hmm. the school union was saying. Right. And even though the CDC, like I'm so far left of bang on them, I'm like, yeah. oh, the CDC and uh, and like, they're totally wrong. Mm-hmm. But beside the point, even if you just went by the CDC and the school union was being no masks right. forever, mm-hmm. um, you know, vaccine for everyone. Yep. Don't care if you had a heart condition. Don't care if you already had COVID, no mm-hmm. exception whatsoever. We're not going to come back to work. We're going to keep these kids in, but we're continue to pay the teachers. Mm-hmm. It was so disingenuous and it was so honestly pathetic. Mm-hmm. That and I, transparent. And tra- like every objective person that looks at this has been like, should have been, these people are evil. Clown show. Yep. They have, they have they, everyone no interest. Should feel that way. The one thing that they should care about mm-hmm. is the young mind of these learners. No interest whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And the safety. I mean, it's it's a known fact. And this is not a Laura Sextro Unity Project made up fact. This is a, it, it, people can actually look at this and find this. You'd have to dig deep, but you can find it on the CDC and the NIH. This virus does not impact the pediatric population. You have, they have a greater risk from the vaccine. If someone's vaccinated, you can still acquire and transmit the virus. We know that for a fact. It, again, this is this is openly admitted by the director of the, the, the CDC, Rochelle Walensky, openly admitted by Dr. Fauci, but yet we're still, we're still at least in California talking about um, on the horizon having um, the vaccine mandated in order to attend mm-hmm. both public and private. And that's the other thing. Right. A lot of people think, well, we're gonna send our kids to a private school. They're now mandating for private school as well as public private school. schools. Private schools connected with that entire, the, the, the medical component of that in California, mm-hmm. private school is, is lockstep. Absolutely. Yep. And, and of course, you know, places like California, which I, I keep referencing California, but it's really important that people understand California oftentimes becomes the blueprint for the rest of the 100% country. 100% it and, does. And I will cite 
Um, there was just, I forget the number of the bill, but there was just a bill that was passed. It makes California a sanctuary state for anyone who wants to bring their child or anyone who wants to bring any child, whether or not you have custody of that child, to the state of California, they can receive these, these gender-altering mm-hmm. therapies and procedures. And then people could potentially lose custody of their children in the process. There's a whole, there's a whole aspect from a legal perspective of mm-hmm. what this bill does. Uh, Scott Weiner, Scott Weiner, I think mm-hmm. his name is, yep. um, the, the state senator who authored that bill is now working with 19 other states to do the same type of thing in, in terms of that legislation. Yep. Mm-hmm. So when we look at bills like AB 2098, which I don't know if you guys know, you must, but, but um, 2098 states that if a doctor in any way goes against recommending the vaccine, they will lose their license. Right. Do you know this? In California, yeah, it passed. And I actually went with our chief of medical ethics, who is Dr. Aaron Cariotti. We went and testified um, in front of the state Senate. And it was like an absolute dog and pony show. At one point, we were standing in the hallway, you know, as close as I am to you guys, no masks, no nothing. They take you into the hearing room and everyone's got to be socially distanced. They're encouraging masks. It's, it was just an absolute smoke and mirrors. So um, it's, it's, it's disheartening. But I, but I wanted to, to um, bring up a statement and then I'm going to get your guys' reaction to it. And I'm going to um, ask, I think it says something to the effect of civilized men are the most discourteous. As a, because as a general rule. It is quite literally the quote that is on the back of the t-shirt that I wore this morning when we went wrestling. <laughs> I love it. It's on, it's a, I can bring out the sweaty, stinky shirt from the car right now. When men had swords on their hips, mm-hmm. I know it sounds so savage and bar- barbarian, right? Mm-hmm. Like carrying a edged weapon, mm-hmm. um, walking down the street, the most polite, the most gentleman, mm-hmm. sure. the most courteous, mm-hmm. um, a woman in a wheelchair not being able to open the door, mm-hmm. a guy on, a guy with a sword on his hip would be running across the street, stepping in every single mud puddle to get there as fast as he can to get open that door. Right. And um, that back to the useless man, mm-hmm. he's not useful in any way. He's truly just useless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So having that society that is that is capable of both, you know, any one of these tools that, that are in front of us, you know, like I can cut a tumor off somebody's body with this, mm-hmm. you know, like if, if you, if you start choking and you can't breathe, yeah. I can create a new airway and save right. your life with this. And mm-hmm. of course I can kill you, but this is an inanimate <laughs> object that serves a purpose of good and of bad. Sure. It's mm-hmm. only who wields it and who uses it. Yeah. And we still have to get back to the individual and change that person to being a good person. Right. Mm-hmm. There's we- nothing more dangerous than a broken young man right. without a purpose and without masculinity. If we look at every single one of these active shooters in the past 10, 15 years, every single one of them is a broken young man without real masculinity and without real purpose. That's right. right. And we have to fix that. That's right. Usually don't have good father in the home, Mm -hmm. leading by example, Mm -hmm. usually have been taken early and often from the school system. And they said, Hey, uh, this kid's, you know, got something wrong. He's five years old. He must have a methamphetamine deficiency. So let's get him on, you know, let's get him on some (laughs) speed early and often. (laughs) And that's, and I mean, those are the through lines throughout all of these things. It's not the access to the guns, right? It's the access, it's no access but, to good humans. But what we've done is we've taken and we've created, we've stripped away masculinity, we've stripped away confidence, we've stripped away purpose. Mm-hmm. And I would guarantee that you can go to a majority of society nowadays, go into high schools, mainstream public high schools, round up a group of young men and put them at this very table 
And I would say at least 90% of them would feel uncomfortable sitting in front of these weapons. Yeah, not our men, not our young men. <laughs> mm. I uh, just went mm. elk hunting with this young 15 year old named Brayden. And um, he was so incredible. And my my seven-year-old son, he doesn't go to piano lessons unless one of us is there. He doesn't, we don't drop him off at his hockey practice or lacrosse practice. Mm-hmm. We, we stand there. He's never been alone with a coach, with a piano teacher, not right. for one moment. Um, and that's because that's what the rest of the world likes looks like. And I have sovereignty and an individual responsibility to be the protector and provider of my family. But then I'm going to use Brayden, 15-year-old, we go hunting. My son comes with us. Mm-hmm. That young man would jump on top of a grenade to protect my seven-year-old. That young man would fight a bobcat and a bear and a pack of wolves mm-hmm. to protect my seven-year-old son. Mm-hmm. That young man, watching him be just this natural, charismatic lever that could sit here right next to us, mm-hmm. and he, like me, would be fumbling with every single one of these toys as if it was a fidget spinner. Yeah. And and that is the contrast. That is the difference between a purpose-driven young man that has been that has been shown by his great father, Barry, what does masculinity look like? Right. What is a good, uh, a good man to be a leader in the home look like? And they, they, they didn't go through Apogee Strong, but mm-hmm. they subscribe to the exact same habits. Yep. They believe the same values that we have. Mm-hmm. And what does it look like to shape a young man's mind? Like Braden is on the course. I can't wait to see what that young man's gonna do mm-hmm. in 10, 15 years from now, because mm-hmm. he's gonna go out and change the world, just yep. like my son is, just like his son yep. is. And that is because good men make good men. Right. We have to do the work for that to be a reality. Yeah. And I'd like to say, something mm. too as as a woman it's you know because i get this a lot especially um with with a military background people say oh my gosh you know this is toxic masculinity and and just i mean you must be a real feminist and i'm going to tell you you know contrary to i'm being politically correct i can't stand feminism i cannot stand feminism in the way that we have ingrained it into society and as a woman i can't think of anything better than a strong man. A strong man does not strip away my femininity, my ability, my opportunities in any way. In fact, it complements and it elevates a strong woman. That's exactly what it should be. My my wife is, his wife, very similar. Yep. Um, Brilliant women, you know, my my, my wife, um, graduate school, finance, economics, MBAs, all all the things. She's, She's a naturally quiet kind of, you know, doesn't, have any social media, um, you know, but I, I, I hope I'm a strong, masculine, purpose-driven man, you know, and that woman can do anything she wants. She has in the most beautiful feminine, Mm -hmm. every characteristic that like, I I believe to be beautiful within a woman Mm -hmm. she has, but the, the more I'm able to protect and provide, the more she's able to flourish and see her true potential be realized and uh, creating an environment that's conducive for her and her beliefs to really come forward, be Mm -hmm. an amazing mom, be an amazing CFO, being, she sits on the board of Mm -hmm. how many companies, you know, Mm -hmm. and like anybody Mm -hmm. just out of ignorance, looking at her and I and seeing her quiet, they're like, man, you know, Tim must be a really intimidating, it's like, bro. Go, go, go sit on the board with my wife for two She'll seconds. Wreck you. She'll destroy 100%. you. Know? 100%. True, powerful, beautiful, feminine yeah. reality. That's right. And those things co- coexist and complement each other. That's right. right. That's right. And I, gotta, I, wanna, I wanna say that is, you know, for all the toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. right? I'm telling you the most toxic, toxically, whatever, masculine men, mm-hmm. Tim, uh, many of our mutual friends, this is exactly how their wives are. They are right. elevated by these guys. The toxicity is a, is a bunch of BS. We went down to Mexico um, right about a year ago. 
Um, and, and you have all these guys who have been thrown with this ridiculous freaking moniker and mutual friends of ours, right? Bedros Koulian and Ray Karen and, and, uh, and Ryan Mickler and Steven Mansfield, right? And, and, and mm-hmm. Tanner Guzzi, a bunch of just good, good John Lovell, a bunch of good men. And what I loved was the gentleman that brought us all down there. He brought us down there for this unified purpose of how do we, how do we move masculinity forward? Like, what is this, you know, what is this going to look like? Right. But what he wanted was he wanted our wives and our children to come with us. Mm-hmm. And I loved when he said, look, the reason that I brought all of you down here, including the wives and the children is because you're not going to be able to fake what it looks like at home when we're all here for a week, we're going to see That's right. what does that look like when you and your wife are talking? Right. What does that look like when she's talking to the other women? What does that look like when all of the adults are sitting at one table and you've got all of the kids and Tanner has six by himself. So, I mean, there was freaking 400 <laughs> children, right? But they were at their That's own great. table. Then you had from like 13 to two and every single place we went, you know, everybody was like, oh my gosh, what's going on with these kids? How are they all? They're all ordering their own meal. They're all saying, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. You know, they're all getting along with each other very, very easily. All the husbands and wives, it was instant connection. It was very, very, shared it's values. just easy, mm-hmm. shared values, mm-hmm. right? So there was nothing toxic in that. Creating I mean, a community that, that mm-hmm. cannot be fought. But yep. this goes back to kind of full circle and to where we started, right? The conversation about the nuclear family and how stripping away of masculinity mm-hmm. takes away the nuclear family. It yep. breaks down the nuclear family. And, um, you know, from a woman's perspective, and I think it's really, really important that, that, you know, we need to have a movement in, I think in the, in the, the, the female community, as much as the male community about the importance of masculinity. I, I am so grateful to have a husband that is incredibly strong, incredibly masculine, and it has helped elevate me. Mm-hmm. And he is very much my my partner and supports me. I couldn't do half of what I do without having his presence in my yeah. life. And so it's to me, we, we almost need to have too, right? Like, I love what you guys are doing with, with men. <laughs> we almost need to have women. We're you're, you're, you're smiling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we sat in front of that yeah. whiteboard these are, yesterday, these are conversations. Okay. Trying, trying to line out strategically. You know, it's so easy for, for us to say, okay, we're, we're attacking the, the low hanging fruit, the mm-hmm. five meter target, right. which is let's, let's look at young men and masculinity and purpose and, mm-hmm. and right. how do we affect that? Yeah. You know, and now we are one year removed from that. Yeah. We did a proof of concept that we know worked. We had a program that was yeah. successful. Now we can, now we can grow it vertically and we can bring mm-hmm. on as many young men as that are interested in, in the, the, mm-hmm. the list is pretty amazing. Yep. Yeah. The dads that need to know how to do it, we can do them too. You know, next are young women, but that we, we first had to like yeah. know how to do this and we knew sure. how to do this. Um, and, and, you know, back to like that family unit with, um, you know, a couple of days ago, my, my seven-year-old son yelled at my three-year-old daughter, you know, and I, <laughs> I, I get down on, on his level, like yeah. scruff the neck, we're nose yeah. to nose, you know, and I'm like, have you ever in seven years heard me yell at your mom? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. That's what weak, broken men do. That is somebody that doesn't know how to express an idea. That is somebody that knows how to lead. When you are really going to love your little sister and that is your one job, the most important thing in your life is take care of that sibling. I'm going to die eventually. Yeah. That girl's going to be with you for as long as you live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you break her now and you don't show her the respect that you deserve, that she deserves, then like you're not, you're not the real young man that I know that you are wow. going to be. This is what young men grow so to be. Incredible. Those that good men make good men. Yep. Those are those moments that yep. has to happen at the home first. That's right. And you have to be the example to that. That's right. And you have to live it because kids see That's everything. It. You can, you you can say it. whatever you want. Yeah. And you're like, not this do as I do or do as I say, not as I do. No, that's no, not how it works. They will do what you they do before they do everything. what you say. They Bingo. see everything. That's exactly kids it. Kids are so smart. And that the, is, I mean, when, when my kids were young, I, 
my my daughter when she was really young like people would laugh because i don't care if she was two years i never spoke to her like she was a bumbling idiot and she didn't understand it didn't Mm -hmm. matter how old she was and I always spoke to her as though she understood and was aware. She can. And she yes. was. A hundred percent. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly People right. come over to our house and they're like, I love that you talk to my kids the same way. I talk to, I talk to them like adults. Yep. Sure. You know, there's, there's no like kid voice. You know, there's like, he, you know, I, I talk to my three-year-old, yeah. you know, like, is that a good idea to ju- <laughs> yesterday? <laughs> she's right. trying to, she's <laughs> jumping from one yeah. couch onto another couch after she moved the whole entire couch by herself so she could blow up her bounce house. Yes, she did. And she's like, she seems rad. I need, I need some help. And <laughs> then she like pushes the whole entire couch. She's like, never mind, I got it. You know, and she's jumping Aww. from one couch to this other couch. And, and, and uh, Ginger, my wife, she's like, Torn, do you think that's a good idea for you to jump that far? And, and she like jumps and she bangs her shin. She's like, ouch. She pushes the couch yeah. closer, you know, like, I always, yeah, I always, yeah. I, was, yep. I used to say I was a reactionary parent and we'd go on the playground and, uh, my daughter would be the one that would go all the way up to the top and she'd be swinging herself out and all the parents are looking at me like, oh, you need to get her down. And I would say, well, she'll be okay. You know, it's yeah. almost one of those things where if she gets hurt, then I guess we learn the lesson yeah. unless it was imminent life or limb threatening sure. danger. Yeah. There's, there's a, a, a lesson to be learned yep. and ex- self-correcting it, problems are right. the best problems to have always lessons, but it is, it's that consistency too. So not only was she jumping mm-hmm. right from couch to couch, he sent his son over and said, Hey, go get the bounce house going so that you guys can do this right there before your sister gets hurt. Yeah. They didn't jump on it. They went, they sent her brother to go over and go, here's the solution. Right. That. So again, it's those consistent moments. Sure. And I didn't parents bounce get house up. freaking and I'm talking about bounce house that fills this room. No, up. it's a giant freaking bounce <laughs> house. He goes, yeah. gets the, the, in, the, the positive pressure inflator. Yeah. Yep. You know, he ties everything. He hooks everything I up. He, she moved the three-year-old, moved the furniture <laughs> oh out of the way, God. moved this the chairs awesome. out of the way, moved yeah. the bar out of the way, yeah. the bar stools. Just sounds like you guys have a pretty cool oh, house awesome. in general. Yeah. But back to the individual <laughs> family. Mm-hmm. That's what it's supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then connecting those families one after another, after another, like how, how do we, how do we, for the Titanic not to hit that iceberg, we only had to shift a couple of degrees right. and we would have avoided this catastrophe, mm-hmm. you know, like one of the worst in recorded history. Mm-hmm. And we're at that point now, mm-hmm. like we just have to shift a couple of degrees and right. that is active somebody doing something. Well, I think we're primed mm-hmm. very much. I mean, when we have the amount of parents that are galvanized, in this country. And I, I can say there is not a person, place, thing, or action in this earth that I wouldn't do to protect my children. And I know that my husband feels the same way. And I know that parents across this country feel the way that I do because we've seen what's happening in school boards. So I think we're positioned and we're primed to have people engaging in programs like what you guys are doing. I'm, I'm blown away by what you're doing. I am such a huge fan of what you guys are doing. I want this to go so far and wide. Um, it's critically important. I think, I mean, I would, I would love next year, this time for this to be mainstream. There, there, there is no ceiling on this. Yeah. Um, we, uh, Matt, I say we, I use that so easily. <laughs> That's a, you brilliantly divine, devised um, a, a, the strategic roadmap and now the vertical, you know, we, we yeah. can have, 10,000 young yep. men and we need yep. we need 10,000 yes. young men if we're going to turn this ship and not hit that iceberg we need 10,000 young men mm-hmm. and their fathers right. to be part of this program well that was what I was going to say I mean that's the one aspect right you guys um, are starting I think at the right level because you're you're connecting with with young men raising them even if they 
I'm, I'm assuming that there's an aspect in here where even if they don't have a father, they can still, mm-hmm. if, even if they're, if they have a single mother or something, mm-hmm. they can still engage in the program, which then corrects as they become adults, they see the value of being a father. They see about the value of, of remaining in the nuclear family and being present, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's starting to course correct what's happening in this country. Do you guys have um, programs to to target more men that are maybe a little off course and have disengaged from their family? Yeah, I mean, they're they're in the program. Yep. Okay. You know, and we, we, we say 11 to 18, you mm-hmm. know, there, there's 20 year olds, young 30 year olds yeah. that, that are there. Like it's, it's never, no matter where you are, if there, if there's shame, put that away, that, mm-hmm. that is an external plant of lies into, mm-hmm. into your psyche. Mm-hmm. You can learn how to change a t- car tire. You know, you can learn how to change. There's not, it's never mm-hmm. too late. I could, I wasn't allowed to get my driver's yep. license until I could change a tire and change the oil. <laughs> Mm-hmm. We're living in a different era. Yeah. You know, and, and no, do you need to know that? Of course you can drive to a mechanic shop sure. and have it done, but it is a habit. It's yeah. a, it's, and that's why mm-hmm. we drive habit and discipline and hard work and all that's these right. characteristics, yeah. because you know, if you're faithful in the little things, you're going to be faithful in the big things. Bingo. And we're showing young men how to be faithful in these little things. And that just pays dividends as you get older, bigger, more influence, more success. Mm. And then the sky's the limit. You know, yeah, it's the only way confidence is actually built. Right. You can have all the affirmations in the world, but if you don't tie and I mean, that is, that's another thing that's scientifically proven is that that, if that's not connected to an outcome, then you don't, you can say it in the mirror. People like me, people I'm, you know, whatever. Right. But if you're not connecting it to an outcome, you don't actually believe it and it doesn't create that confidence. And then, but to answer the question, and and we're also adding the the Apogee Strong Dads here in in January as well. So it'll be specifically for so dads husbands who are so so being a better husband being a better father being a better uh, provider protector all that i saw something really funny yesterday on um, social media it was uh, depression this is kind of a depressed looking guy and he says man spends 50 percent of his income um, paying for things that he can't do meaning you know like can't fix the toilet can't change the oil Mm. can't do you know the basic work and i was laughing because in the neighborhood all the guys come and ask my husband mm-hmm. to be able to do all of this because they're not they're not able to do it. Yep. Um, and we, we have assets and liabilities. I, I live in a really uh, not libertarian, uh, not like I live in a really cool neighborhood. Yeah. You know, we all have land, and uh, we had the snow apocalypse here in Texas. Mm-hmm. And, That's um, right, last year. You know, I have generators. Like yeah. my, my situation's really really good. Yeah. I'm honestly not the greatest plumber. Yeah. And uh, one, I'm pretty good with most electrical things. I'm pretty good with most engine things. Yeah. Um, and one of my neighbors, back to community, yeah. Tim, Tim and Will, um, in this, we, you know, we have a group chat yeah. with about 20 of our neighbors. Yeah. And between the 20 of us, we could literally do anything. Like mm-hmm. we could build a dam and hydroelectric power the rest of Austin. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the level we have like MIT engineers. But right. You don't have to be good at everything. You're like, yeah, you can be a jack of all trades, but that community is an important thing. Yeah. I have my strengths yep. and they, they're calling me for mm-hmm. times when, hey, I need help with this or do you have an idea on that? Yep. But like, I also don't have the ego, beautiful masculine person is gonna mm. be able to have that community where I reach sure. out and be like, hey, Tim, Will, um, my outside kitchen froze and uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yes, come yes. save me. Yes. You know, but, God, but what, my neighbors. But what you, you just said is so also so important, right? It's this getting back to community. I I mean, kind of pie in the sky for me would be is if you had exactly that, all these little pockets all over the country, people had their communities and we've moved so far away from having community. Most of America outside of, you know, well, I I hope that it's still like this in some of the rural communities, but certainly 
mainstream metropolitan areas, you don't even know who your neighbors are. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. no way to live. Mm-hmm. There's we, lots There's lots of groups doing it. So Be- Bedros, he has the Squire program. Yeah. And he's, he's again, you know, it's an event for young men yeah. to go to. A yeah. um, couple of days, yeah. you know, it's hard. Yeah. Uh, it's it's the same thing. It's this yeah. rite of passage. Yeah. Um, Mike Glover, he has the American yeah. Contingency. He's great. I he follow, great. I follow right. him. Um, yeah. That's Mike's jacket right there. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Mike's Mike fantastic. Yeah. I, we actually went to um, one of his his courses in Southern cool. California. Nice. Yeah. Fieldcraft, which one? Uh, we went to the, what is it? The, Fieldcraft. I know it was Fieldcraft, Fieldcraft sur- Survival, but it was the... Um, Medical shooting. The shooting. Oh. Tactical. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Gunfighter level one. Yeah. Gunfighter level one. Yeah. Mike's my man. Yeah. He, he, was, he, together. he was making fun of me because, um, so... I, I, I would use the 45. And so, of course, everyone's it's got a lot of nine. gun for you. I know, I know. Well, everyone, <laughs> but it was funny. So, I brought this, you know, this big 45. And anyway, everyone was laughing about it. But it was so much fun. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. There's, awesome. yeah, there's lots of people yep. that are doing this community, this mm-hmm. connection, this. Yeah. And, you know, like back to the complying. It's hard to do it alone. Yeah. You have to form this community, but you have to be faithful in the small things. You have to have the habit mm-hmm. to be able to resist. Right. You have to have the discipline. Like there's no way that you're going to be like, I, I'm not going to do this unless you've done all the hard work leading up mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. You know, like I could say, I'm not going to do this. The school was able to stay open because we had done all of yeah. the hard work. We had yep. crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's. I'd consulted with the best mm-hmm. and the brightest on the planet right. about how do I, how do I do this so I can do it properly and yes. safely? F- because the goal was always the same. The purpose yep. was creating an environment that was conducive for a young mind to flourish and to meet their real potential. Absolutely. Um, one thing that we didn't touch on, Uh-oh. and I'd love to to just get your both of your your take on this, is because of the fact that we are really attacking masculinity. We've been we've talked about it now this entire podcast. What are the effects of that on the military community? It's dangerous. Yeah, we're um, good times make soft men. Soft men make hard times. Right. Um, we, we have we had hard times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're, we're in hard times. You know, we're the closest to nuclear war that, that we've been in my lifetime. And mm-hmm. I think in my parents' lifetime as well. Um, uh, you know, like we just, we have lost consecutive wars, mm-hmm. um, define loss however you want, but we did not win Afghanistan. We did not win Iraq. You know, ISIS had the insurgents. We tried every mechanism from, you know, counterinsurgency to, you know, the, um, flood of troops in the, in the surge. Like we, we, we tried everything. We still lost. And uh, now we're not hitting recruiting goals. Um, and it is not, it, it's easy to say, Oh, it's, it's this woke military. It's just not true. You know, the young men that are in there are still getting the men and women are still getting great training and trying to be the most lethal fighting force on the planet to win our nation's wars, which is our job. But it, the military is always a byproduct of the population and the current population, 74% of the current American population is not even eligible to serve in the military. Mm -hmm. It is harder to get into the military for the vast majority of our population than to go to an Ivy league university. Mm -hmm. Like 26% can't go into the military and be a cook. Right. And that's because the population is broken. Mm -hmm. Right. And we've told especially young men that if one of them wants to pursue a career in the military, which used to be something very prestigious. My, mm. my grandfather was a Marine in Guadalcanal. <laughs> yeah. I That's mean, cool. That was very prestigious. Mm-hmm. It used to be right. It used to be an honor to, to say I'm a Marine. 
but I feel like now it's got such a taboo stigma with it because of this war on men. Well, it's too masculine. It's too toxic. Yeah, you got the stigma, but what else do you have? You have distractions, mm-hmm. right? So there's a DNA aspect of being a, 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 of being a man where you want to go protect, provide, like you want adventure. Right. You want to go, you want to go slay that freaking dragon, right. right? You want, like that is woven within us. We right. want to go, there's a part of it. You, you want to go fight sometimes. Yeah. You want to go ask the girl, you want to go have those experiences, right? That's a right. DNA thing. And we've taken so many of our young men and we have given them these virtual, so right. why do I have to be a soldier? I can play Call of Duty and I can knock this out and I can get this video. Like that's a real deal. These guys are checking off these boxes artificially, in these, artificially which in is these dangerous. virtual environments. And so the impetus to actually go have the adventure, to actually go have to do the hard thing, right? And they can do it in private all the time. So there's no, right? I remember we used to have to win the game and you'd have to do it in front of a bunch of people. Right. I remember standing at the free throw line and I'm, you're like, even though I'm a 5'9 white dude, I remember standing at the free throw line, right? <laughs> Having to shoot, yeah. you know, with time, time's off the clock yeah. and I've got everybody I know. And so I'm going to live with the outcome of that in front of everybody. I remember, you know, we, we have both fought people, him far more than me, but we both fought people in front of thousands of other human beings. You can't hide from that, right? We've got our young men checking off that box virtually. So the rest of the world, just the noise gets turned down and they don't have the impetus to go like after Um I don't, I don't even know how to articulate this. Are they afraid? You know, someone said something about being a, a pilot and I was like, doesn't every red blooded American want to go fly mm-hmm. in a battle? Like, God. and like with their mm-hmm. hair on I still fire, know, right? You know, right. Mm-hmm. And this guy looked at me and goes, no, almost like he was terrified. Mm-hmm. It was interesting. Mm-hmm. Back to <laughs> those problems, not hitting recruiting goals, retention being lower that the, mm-hmm. the it's because it's a it's a second order effect of a yeah. broken society yeah. where the the citizen yeah. is broken and um, we have to fix that first okay. and then we'll have a generation of young men that will look at the marine commercial from the 80s do you remember it when they would oh, fight yeah. the dra- he'd pull out that beautiful that, saber yeah, there's man. a freaking I dragon breathing yeah, fire yeah, yeah. You know, of course yeah, I, remember, I remember like I wanted to be a marine thing. the first Hell recruiting yes. office I walked into mm-hmm. was marine then I went to a navy seal office you mm-hmm. know and then they're like hey we got this new program to be a special mm-hmm. forces green Beret. like what I'm into that and now, now, what is it? When was the last time that I saw a Marine pull out a gorgeous freaking saber and look right. at a dragon and be like, I'm going to jump on your back and I'm going to stab this piece of steel through your neck? Right. You know, like we need those men again. Mm-hmm. Those men are the ones that are going to climb cliffs, right. that are going to build the Chrysler building. Mm-hmm. They're going to storm the beaches. Those are the ones that are going to fight fashion. They're going to fight socialism. And where are they right now? They're broken. They're playing right. video right. games. They've lost their purpose. They've lost mm-hmm. their discipline. They're not being faithful in the small things. Mm-hmm. And it's not too late. We can get back on, right. on this horse and, and right this ship. I, I agree. I don't, I guess let's close it out by talking about that. I don't think it's too late. I think that the programs like you guys are building are going to impact society in a way that is so necessary. And I, I, I agree. I don't think it's too late. I do think we're, we're on the cusp though. Um, if we don't get things in order pretty quickly, mm-hmm. things could, could end up um, in a very dire situation. There's not an easy button. I 100% agree. We're on the cusp and there, there's not like you, can, you can't take a pill. You can't play a game. Yeah. You can't scratch an itch. The It's not like a diet pill, right? Like no. I always joke. I always mm. say, listen, um, I've never seen someone on Oprah Winfrey going, you know, I, I ate healthy and I exercised for a whole year and I still look like crap. Yeah. That doesn't exist. No, it doesn't exist. <laughs> when when they, they did the hard work and they were yeah. consistent and they had the discipline, they formed good habits, yeah. the byproduct that second order effect mm-hmm. is a great outcome. Yeah. That's 
the hard part. That's the hard pill to swallow. Yeah. The easy pill is like you get you, you can like take this thing and like you're not depressed anymore. Mm-hmm. No, if you get out and you work out, you get out in the sun, you work on your motorcycle, you're faithful to your spouse, you know, you're kind to your kids, mm-hmm. you're gracious to your colleagues at work, yeah. you know, you figure out ways to elevate your associates. Those are all the characteristics mm-hmm. of a real man. Mm-hmm. All the other ones, those are broken bastardized versions yeah. that have been inaccurately labeled by a broken society Bingo. looking for some place to throw a dart Bingo. out of their ignorance. That's exactly it. And it's these good men ban it. You know, and that's what I love too, is there's so many good men. And you mentioned Beatrice, you mentioned the Squire program. So we got the Apogee Strong Foundation, which is the 501c3. We just sent four fathers and sons to the last Squire program. I just got, I got off the cool. plane yesterday, had a dad that called me and, and told me their story. And so dad and that son just sent him to the Squire program here coming up on January 14th. So right. Cool. And so I got a hold of Bedros and I'm like, Hey man, I got a good father and son. Can I fit him in? Bedros is like, yep, let's go. So it's all these good men who are doing these things, attacking it from all these different angles and we're all coming together too. And so for, you know, four dads, four good guys who want to take action on this, these are the guys too, that we can, you can show your sons, right. these men show these guys, the proverbial guys who are, who are, you know, bringing the swords out. Like as we're building these communities, be intentional about who you're building the community with and be intentional about, you know, when you're lifting those eyes to the horizon, be intentional about what horizon you're looking at. Okay. I love it. You guys are, um, I'm so grateful for the work that you're doing. It's this is what's going to save the country. I firmly believe it because you know, we could probably have this could turn into an 18-hour podcast. We could talk about everything from the border crisis to the to the inflation mm-hmm. to Afghanistan to everything that that's that's been impacting this country probably for the last 50 years. But I personally think and it's why I got involved with the Unity Project and the fight that we're in. Um, I personally think that the biggest issue facing this country is the education of our children. Because if we cannot reclaim our children, we will lose society. Yep. So I We're think on the cusp. We are. We are. So yep. thank you so much for everything you, you guys are doing. I'm going to uh, make sure that we link information about Apogee. Mm-hmm. in um in our podcast and anything else that you guys want me to link in apogee strong you know get um get going yeah. you know we, we said action is mm-hmm. is the key here mm-hmm. yeah. don't wait you know yeah. you're you're there's not going to be i love what jocko says you know that that feeling that inspiration mm-hmm. it 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 is so it's fickle. gone. It's yep. fickle, right? Yep. It's like a fart in the breeze. It's yep. it disappears. Yeah. You know, but discipline and hard work, and that t- t- you have to take that first step. Mm-hmm. That first step might just be going. You're talking about Jocko Willink. Yep. Yeah. Discipline mm-hmm. equals freedom. That's the one that we mm-hmm. used to say. That was our Bible in our house. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's one of the <laughs> rules that, in our house. It's on. It's literally. It's on our wall. We have eleven rules on our wall. That's rule number nine. Yeah. But in this generation of of false inspiration, discipline is the thing that you're going to have to fall back to, mm-hmm. and that's that tough pill. Mm-hmm. So create good habits and start doing work. Mm-hmm. It's not too late. We're on the cusp yeah. to get going. And I think, um, don't be afraid to be a little uncomfortable. This whole, like people being afraid to get out of their comfort zone. Um, you gotta, you gotta get comfortable being uncomfortable. I'll credit my husband with saying that. <laughs> so love it. Thanks so much. Beautiful. You guys, thank this you. Is fantastic. From all of us at the unity project. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We hope to continue producing content that amplifies voices, strategies, and resources. Please keep in mind that the Unity Project is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that relies on the contributions of our generous supporters to fuel the work we do in this movement. 
If you value our efforts, please consider making a tax-deductible contribution today by visiting our website at www.unityproject.com and clicking the donate button. We very much appreciate your continued support and confidence, without which our work wouldn't be possible.